I go through these periods, I know what it's like. I'm not saying it's easy, but I, all I know is yes, it does pass. I'm not saying it's all lights and roses, but these thoughts and these feelings do pass. Hi, I'm Lance and this is Unsilent, a speak series by No Stigmas that champions mental health advocacy and challenges the stigmas that all too often prevent people from getting the help they need. We're so glad you're here. And in today's first part of a two-part conversation, we get to talk with South African filmmaker Odette. We talk about Odette's background and her connection to mental health advocacy through her filmmaking, the importance of stripping away the stigmas around suicide, and she even opens up and shares with us about her lived experience with what she calls places of darkness. We thank Odette so much for having these conversations with us and being so honest and transparent and vulnerable. We know sometimes they are difficult ones to have. All right, let's dive in. Today's episode contains in-depth conversations around suicide, suicidal ideation, and suicide loss. It's okay if you need to skip this one. Do what's right for you. I remember my first sort of feelings of not wanting to be alive or not wanting to be on this planet when I was probably 12, 13, and definitely by the time I was 15, um, suicidal ideation was something that um, was becoming more current in my thought processes. Um, and though I never up till now have actually attempted, suicidal ideation has definitely been thoughts that have come in and out of my mind. And once I realized that actually I'm not the only one with that um and that i think if we're all honest with ourselves really at one point at least in our lifetime we've had this thought of i don't think i can do this i don't want to be here this isn't the way my life is was how i'd hoped it was going to be or i've got no purpose or i feel like my life is meaningless or i'm not loved i'm not heard i'm not seen there's so many reasons i think there's, you know, we're so complicated. So the question you're asking is, how did we get to start this film on suicide? So Eric, who I work with, we both have these dark nights of the soul, however we want to call it. I don't want to call it depression. I, 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 I want to call it dark nights of the soul, a darkness that can come over me. And for sure, in the time that I've been making this film, I would say that that's been happening much more regularly. Um, but the, I can understand that that's because I'm carrying all of these stories. Uh, we decided that what we would do before COVID, before even COVID appeared, the rate of suicide was going up since the year 2000 dramatically. And um, I do research on all sorts of social behavior. That's the kind of film we make. And independently, we want to make film where we're not driven by an agenda. So... I started to see these suicides coming up sort of 2019 and I started to research into it. And then I saw the statistics and Eric and I decided, look, let's make a film on suicide. That's not been done before through the stories of people, not the experts who are the psychiatrists, the psychologists, etc. We'll have them in, but the experts in our mind are the people with the lived experience because for me to be able to get to understand suicidal ideation i think it's better if i 
can have experienced it to understand it more. Now, I'm not saying that we can't understand suicide unless we've walked in those shoes, but I do think that those with the lived experience are the ones we should be listening to. Just to go back a little further, as a child, my favorite auntie uh, died by suicide and I was little um, and um, it was never discussed in the family. The stigma of suicide is the silence. And it's on, again, we are so complex. We use so much sim symbol symbolism in our film, like the door, the masks, an onion. If you imagine that we are like an onion, and we're layers and layers and layers and layers. So the reasons to suicide may vary. It can be financial, loss of a relationship. It can be uh, sickness. It can be whatever, whatever that is. But I th what I think is the commonality is that place of where you go to before you make that final snap. That place of suicidal ideation, I think is pretty much common, though we are layers and layers and layers and layers to what got us there. So I think when I tried to investigate the death of my aunt, it was very difficult. And just before my mother died, she did tell me a few things. And she told me that my aunt had been sexually abused when she was younger again and especially in my parents era it was never discussed sexual abuse was something that was never mentioned ever just like gender-based violence or domestic violence these things never discussed and just like suicide so the stigma within our society on all of these issues that affect every one of us we may not all have been affected by all those things i've just mentioned but there are so many social issues that we face that our society is still not prepared to discuss. So we decided to make a film about it, but to make a film about it that is not the typical NGO film where there's a big happy ending, suicide is not something that I think can be given, you know, they want to hear hope. People want to hear hope, okay? An NGO structured film, a documentary along those lines, it's always about hope. And in, in our minds, I think that there is hope, but the solutions to suicide is not just about focusing on prevention. It's about talking about suicide. I'm a mother of two boys. Um, two, I've got two teenage boys um, who both have said to me in the last couple of years, we want to die. There's no reason to. And we mustn't all go, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, because we must also remember that those thoughts also probably went through our minds at some point, too. So I think the first thing is the, the, the fear. So when I'm listening to the stories of Adam, when she's talking about the loss of his son, that's something that I just pray, God, please don't let that, don't let that happen to me. Okay. But her story is actually about social media and the impact that social media had on Adam, that he went to school one day and everybody was passing around uh, information on, inst on Instagram that they'd been posting about him um, um, saying, you know, he's gay. And the whole school, his environment went viral. And his mother feels that that, was one of the reasons that that started his depression 
Well, with Daryl, he was 11. And, and, and here, I, this is something we didn't want to just have featured in the film is the LGBTQ stories because you know they, that they are the higher risk. Um, um, and we do have quite a few stories in our film, but we don't want the film just to be about that because you know it's it's not just about LGBTQ community. Okay, so Adam Adam's story it is um, is uh, very much about uh, social media and bullying. Now Daryl had the same thing in the playground at eleven. They started to call him names. It just so happens again it was about him being gay at eleven. He didn't even know what that was. As he got older, he realized that's that's who he is. But at 11, he didn't know. All he knew was that he was being called something and being made out to be different. And what I say to my children is it doesn't matter if you're tall or you're short or if you're thin or if you're fat. It doesn't matter if your hair is straight or if it's curly, if your eyes are blue or if they're brown. People are going to bully you for something. People are going to call you something and they're going to... Uh, say things that are going to upset you. Those places of darkness, why are we not telling our children and our loved ones that that's part of the cycle of life? Why are we so frightened of the darkness? You see, I think, and so this is also in the film, this is a variety of people who speak about, about the darkness, is that if we actually are not frightened of it, if we accept, right, this is where I am right now, but it's not going to stay. It feels like it's never going to end, but it will pass. And then we use the symbols. You know, we, we talk about the burnt grass. If we go into a place where there's been a big fire, everything's black, everything's destroyed. It looks like there's no life. It's the end. Okay. You go back three weeks later, there's a tiny little shoot. You go back two months later and there's loads more growth that's happened. These are symbols. If you think about a cloud, you know, I often I do a lot of meditating. Thoughts are exactly to me like this cloud. This cloud's coming over. It can be, I'm an idiot, let's just say. The cloud's coming over. I'm an idiot, I'm an idiot, I'm an idiot. I can either hold on to that cloud and go, Yes, I am. And this is why I am because of this, 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 this. Oh, and then just perpetuates and it spirals. Or I can let that cloud pass because at the end of the day, it's a thought. Okay. It's not really what is. It's a thought. Okay. And I mean, people, we all have experienced uh, in our own traumas, which are valid to you, valid to me, no matter what they are, no matter what our traumas are. Okay. They're all valid to ourselves but i think the the thing is, is is that how do we how do we deal with that darkness i think if we pretend it's not there if we run from it if we hide from it if we do everything knock us block up block ourselves from the fact that our cycle of life is ups and is down i'm not saying it's easy <laughs> you know i go through these periods i know what it's like I'm not saying it's easy, but I, all I know is, yes, it does pass. I'm not saying it's all lights and roses, but these thoughts and these feelings do pass. To talk about prevention, if we were going to talk about prevention, we talk about warning signs. Now, I'm sure you can identify with what I'm about to say. When I'm in that place, nobody knows, okay? I don't share that with anybody. I don't tell anybody. 
So we are talking about all these warning signs and saying, um, you know, withdrawing. Yes, I do. I withdraw. Absolutely. When I'm in that space, the first thing I do is withdraw. But people don't notice that because people are not around me all the time. So even the people who are close to me, it's not something, a conversation that I'm necessarily going to have. So I think the thing is, is that we need to also look at why. Okay. So why do we not tell people how we're really feeling? That's a whole big question. Okay. But I will just answer by saying for a lot of people, the feeling, the fe the, in, in burdening somebody with our problem. Okay. Is one thing. The other thing, the other thing. Okay, and then the other thing is, is the person who is now hearing the problem feels that they have to fix it. And that is impossible. It's impossible. If I, you see, <laughs> it's, it's a very interesting time that we live in because we're paying people to listen to us. If we can afford it or if the system pays, we are paying people literally listen to us so what's happened to our communities what's happened to our support networks that's another big question in our society we need to be asking what does that happen and and just to say that the psychiatrists are in some places are doing social prescribing and social prescribing in one concept there's loads of different concepts to this but in one is that they get four or five peoples within the community of the of that person and and organize a support network for them so that this person can reach out to those people. We have to go to a psychiatrist to get that sorted. Why are we not having an automatic support connection in our, in, in our society? What has happened to our connections? Now, we hear somebody died by suicide. Oh, they were so loved. They were so popular. They were so successful. They were so happy. They were so all of those things. Okay. And again, it's layers and layers and layers and layers and layers. And it's very, 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 very complex. But the question is, is what's happened to our connections? Okay. What is happening to our connections? And I feel these connections are in three parts. It's connection to myself. So much dis distraction. This is our biggest problem. It disconnects us from, we think, oh, here's all our buddies sitting here. No, they're not. Okay. These are not our buddies here at all. Okay. Interaction is what is needed. It's our human essence. It's our human essence. Touch, looking at each other in the eyes. We've just been through two years or in South Africa, we've had masks for two years. Okay, I'm seeing people that I didn't even know what they looked like and I've seen them every day for two years because they had masks on them. Seriously, you know, like going into a, into a shop. I'd never seen these people's faces. I mean, it's, it's horrific. So the question is connection. Where are these connections and why do we feel so disconnected? Even the ones who are the most happiest relationship, etc disconnect in some way from each other and I mean I don't have the answers to all these things I'm just make film I just document society as it is and that is exactly what disconnected is about we have documented a film 
as is the story of suicide without manipulating it or putting it towards an agenda or an outcome in any way. These are the real stories by real people of the lived experience of people who've struggled by either suicidal suicide attempts or the loss of someone by suicide. To go beyond the show, be sure to connect with us on all social media platforms at No Stigmas. And you can always reach out at nostigmas.org to connect with us and see how we can team up together to champion mental health equity for all. Remember, to break these stigmas, we must be unsilent. We'll see you next time.